This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. They got a shot for the line, they score! Thrown to the goal from the right point by Tucker Pullman. It sneaks through Elvis Merzlikens, and the Canucks have the lead again, exactly seven minutes into the third, and Bo Horvat might attempt this. No call for the officials, and here's Gaudreau with speed to the Vancouver line. Gaudreau, left circle, around Stillman, behind the net, wrap around, he scores! With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Horvat makes a deep to the backhand, low shot, stopped by Merzlikens, rebound side of the net. Hoaglander digging away for it, it was pushed off the puck by Voracek. And here's a two-on-one the other way for the Blue Jackets. Chinikov across to Gavrikov, he scores! On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks with another multi-goal lead blown. This time, however, they get a point, but they do lose. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. So before we bring Randeep into this and uh, had a good observation on the game-winning goal in overtime for the Columbus Blue Jackets, a 4-3 victory for them. It's the fourth game in a row now. They had a multi-goal lead, and they had another lead in the third period after coughing up the two-goal lead, and they still weren't able to take that one home. Had a chance in overtime. Elias Pettersson hits the post. Had a power play late. The opportunities were there to win this one, and they couldn't get it done. No, and we'll focus on the power play later. Because uh, Quinn Hughes takes a penalty to take him off the power play. But that's the thing that's supposed to lead them. Mm-hmm. They had three power play opportunities. 0 for 3. And now this is a worrying trend on the season of how they're performing on special teams. They have a lot of talent in there. Mm-hmm. We'll get into some numbers later on in the show. Something we wanted to talk about last post game, but they blow that lead and we had to talk about other stuff. But if if you're edge that you're supposed to have on teams is misfiring by this much how are you making up the gap yeah and tonight let's be real like the the effort was a lot better and it was consistent there were some stretches of course columbus is trying to win the game too they're gonna they're, they're, they're gonna carry some play a bit their effort was a lot better but you end up with no points or sorry with one point and you lose the game yeah, no, that's what that's what happens, and so uh, a tough spot for them. Let's welcome in Randeep Janda into the discussion. And Randeep, you know, we, we watched this team uh, blow another lead, and you know, Bo Horvat strong game in the third period. He helped the Canucks get the lead. He, he had was the best goals. player, the, the the best Canuck on the ice. He was a Canucks best player tonight. Uh, but on that play, which led to the game winning goal, what did you see, which kind of led to that happening? Yeah, he's the second man in there where Niels Hoaglander is battling in the corner, can't get the puck off of Voracek, and he just he makes a move. He, Bo's not stuck in no man's land. He, he makes a move to try to win the puck and try to maintain possession, and it goes back the other way, Chinikov and Gavrikov, and, and you know how it ends. Uh, listen, overtime's about, yeah, you're going to have to take some risks, but is there a safe play there? Is there, you know, once you commit, uh, you better win the puck, and he doesn't, goes back the other way, it's a goal. Yeah, and look, the margins are so thin in OT and we know, like, puck management is so key. Uh, puck possession is so key. And, like, I understand the play trying to make, but, like, it's coming from such a distance. Yeah. He's going to be able to move the puck before you even get there. 
Yeah, and, and, and that's where I think the challenge is because you look at that play and you're saying, you're not getting there. You're not getting there, but that's the challenge. He read that play maybe a little a little differently than we did here, you know, watching the game. But to your guys' point, he played a great third period, you know, yeah. scoring the shorthanded goal early on in the game. Even in that third period, you could see on the back check, you know, scoring a goal to get his team in front, but one play in overtime and, you know, a lot of a lot of the focus will be given on on that play. But guys, Columbus was trying to win this game. You're right. They're trying to win this game. Mm-hmm. But for about 40 minutes, I'd say halfway, halfway through that game, they're a one-line team. Johnny Gaudreau and the ability to, to you know, make something out of nothing, we saw that in the third period. But Columbus is a team that was desperate, but they're not that talented right now, especially yeah. without Patrick Laine. You take one point, you take whatever you can get out of that, but that's going to be a disappointing result for this team just based on the fact that another multi-goal lead that they just evaporate. And even beyond that, you end up being ahead in that game despite giving up that lead, and then you give it up again. So I know that goal is going to sting, and to me it came well before that in the third period where resiliency, another the key word pops up again, in the moment can you you know bring back momentum to your mm-hmm. side without giving it away? And tonight they brought it back onto their side, but they gave it away again as well. Well, and you know the the thing too is if this if they had, say, one – two of the first three games, and this performance happened, they got a point tonight. We're sitting here and say, you know what? Hey, it's third game in four nights on a back-to-back. It wasn't great. You got a point. We can live with it. But because you got no mm-hmm. results before, it's not good enough. It's not enough to just get the point out of this game. And that's part of the frustration because you can say, you know, you can talk about it's a tough game. It lines up against you. But you can also look at it and say, this Columbus Blue Jackets team has been one of the worst teams in the league to start the season. And the Canucks had a lot of trouble against them in the in the second and third period. And the game was going to always tilt a little bit. The question was, did it tilt too much against a team that probably shouldn't have had as many chances as they did late in the game? Yeah, they were averaging 1.67 goals per game heading into this one. They had scored a total of five goals this season prior to this game, and they end up scoring, what, four in this game. Yeah. So that tells you, yeah, there's probably more offense in this team than we've seen this year, sure. But why are the Canucks giving up more goals yet again? And and defensively, I think, you know, you guys broke it down in the intermissions as well. There's some some discipline. Do they lose their shape too easily? And Mm -hmm. we saw that guys getting stretched. And you can lay the blame wherever you want. But the fact is, if a guy's stretched and, if you know, Tucker Pullman's going towards the boards, why is there nobody in front of the net helping out Quinn Hughes? Why is it a two-on-one in front of the net? So that lack of discipline that we saw against Washington – Maybe it didn't rear its ugly head as much in this game, but it was still there, and it cost him in vital moments. Uh, Spencer Martin, um, I think through 40 minutes, was really strong. Um, I, I don't know how much we chalk up to the, the last two goals are on him. I, I guess the Goudreau one, you know, was he too over-aggressive on that one? I, I think so, and that's one that he probably wants back as well, where he's covering that post, and he just can't make it back in time. But prior to that, guys, I looked at that period, and to me, when Spencer Martin was playing his game – he looked pretty confident. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem was when that rebound was let loose, the puck battles in front of him. The Canucks weren't winning many of them. And sure, he, for the most part, was providing a you know decent rebound control. But I'm just not seeing the confidence from the Canucks in front of the net right now cleaning up the garbage. Columbus, they were far from a perfect team. But there were moments where Merzlikens let out the rebound and they were able to get it out pretty smoothly. They had other flaws to their game. Whereas the Canucks, when Spencer Martin was making that first save, I didn't see that confidence in cleaning up the garbage. So from Martin's perspective, yeah, I think he wants that Goudreau goal back. But outside of that, I thought he had a very strong game. 
Yeah, no, I thought he was pretty solid overall. Maybe a couple of moments. The Goudreau play really slow coming across. But hey, considering the situation you're being thrown into his first start and hasn't played in a while, I think he gave the Canucks a chance tonight. Now they couldn't close it out. And you know how we talked about um, the Canucks made history by, by blowing multi-goal Uh-oh. leads in three games in a row? Well, SN Stats uh, has confirmed that the Canucks are the first team in NHL history to lose four straight games after holding a multi-goal lead in each contest. That's not to start the season. That's at any point in a season. No NHL team in NHL history, Randeep, has lost four straight games after holding a multi-goal lead in each one of those games. So Okay, we, two straight years yeah. of us talking about the Canucks. Two straight being historic- games, years, no, two straight games, man. Two, two straight years of us talking about the Canucks being historically bad at something. Last year was the PK, and this year it's multi-goal leads going down the drain yeah uh, it is and uh well i mean uh, i actually turned to somebody today when i went to get some water in the uh, in the kitchen here at the studio and they're like i mean no the canucks have a two goal. i'm like hey, listen they made history already blowing three in a row like i just can't see them doing it a four in a row you know what i mean like the odds are against it but yet again here we are we hope for something different on thursday when the canucks are in minnesota to wrap up their five-game road trip against the wild and we'll talk to you then randy Thanks, boys, and uh, no cursing from me tonight. Yes, thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks, pal. Have a a good one. (laughs) Uh, That's Randy Janda. Keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. We are going to go to the phone boards in a second, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And I I was a little shook seeing that stat again, Vic. I'm not going to lie. I was afraid to open up uh, Sportsnet stat emails. I was like, you know what? I'm just just not going to click on that one. Just, yeah. just not going to click on that one. Yeah, no, after that's... after what happened last time I tweeted that's, it. That's uh, some good text coming in. RIP to the text inbox. Yeah, it's going to be heated tonight. Uh, that one's already coming in. Uh, that's when Demko definitely stops that wraparound. I don't know what you're supposed to do. He's supposed to play. He's not. It's a back to back. You can't really play him. Yeah, it, we we can't treat this like it's must win game four. Demko that would have sent a terrible message. Uh, Eric and Dawson Creek guys. I don't even know what to say anymore. This group is not a team. Might never be. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't. I mean, yeah. It's uh, that's the overarching sentiment. Some people texted in and said, "Hey, at least they got a point tonight, and they worked hard in the third and came back, yada yada." So, I mean, they had the lead. I don't know what they were coming back to. But, anyways, uh, we'll we'll keep the discussion going. Keep getting your text into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox six fifty six fifty. We will get you the head coach as soon as he gets to the podium. We get that audio available six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. Your toll free one triple eight two seven five zero six fifty. All right, uh, let's go to the phone boards, uh, and we have um, Chad on the line. Chad, thanks for calling in. What do you got for us tonight? Hi guys. Um, I just wanted to talk about how. This is actually, you know what, maybe it's a good thing that the Canucks are losing these games just so badly because when Patrick Alvin came in, when Jim Rutherford came in, they came in with this team that was pretty much maxed out. And the right thing to do would have been to do, unlike what Jim Benning did, was, was, which was not rebuild properly. They just did it the Jim Benning way, and they just kind of rolled with it. And now we're seeing what happens when you do that. And now... I just have to say that we can let the Canucks. If this isn't this is an extreme losing streak, it's not going to last forever. The Canucks are going to get back into it, as you said. They're going to back get back into the playoffs race. 
but we can't let it just hypnotize us into thinking that this team is good enough and that this core mm -hmm. of Horvat and Miller and all these guys are good enough to bring this Canucks team to where it needs to be. Hey, uh, Chad, thanks for the phone call. Some good thoughts about uh, maybe not getting too caught up in no matter what happens this season about it. they're not there yet. I mean, hey, to me, we always knew that this team was not the finished product and being a cup contender. Mm -hmm. It was about taking meaningful steps to get there with players that are part of your future. That was the hope about this year. Depends what you want out of this year, right? Yes. I know we talk about, hey, Stanley Cup, one team wins, and it's 31 other failures. That's not really true. It depends what you wanted this season, what were your expectations. For me, it was win around. Yeah. This team needs to get back to the standard that they were at the bubble, and that's like that linear growth that you want to see. Say, hey, you win around, now you win two, now you win three, now you get to the finals, and maybe you skip a step somewhere along the way. For me, this is about getting to the second round at least this year. Yes. That's what I want to see this season. See, my bar was get to the playoffs sure. this year. You know what I mean? Hey, if you win around, great. But it was about getting to the playoffs. Next year, I expect you to do something to get there. But now, I mean, you, you know. At this rate. At this rate. But we'll see. I mean, hey, uh, like Chad even mentioned, even though he's he's a bit pessimistic about the group they have, he said he believes they'll get back into the race. And they have the pieces and the players to be competitive and get back into the race. And they probably will at some point. The question is, how much does this damage your trust in them and your belief in their ultimate ceiling? And what does that say about the core in general that these things keep happening? But let's go back to the phone boards. Let's go to Surrey, where Mike is on the line. Uh, Mike, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have after Canucks lost this one 4-3 in overtime? Okay. Thanks, guys. First, thanks for the show, right? You know, with all the media, it's great that you guys are still doing it, and it's awesome to hear you guys that you're taking calls. Miss that. Um, Got to call it as it is, guys. This town is nuts. You guys have so wrong. The fans of the media are so off. I've been waiting for this for four day games, and how many times has the person 90% responsible for this? It's not the players. It's not the players. So let me get this. Jim Benning gets Five years of free reign from the media and most of the fans. Kravis Green gets four years and Bruce Boudreau gets four games. Are you guys, and the players get four games? That's point number two. The defense, we all knew the defense is a disaster, thanks to Benning, Cap. It gets decimated on the right side and we're surprised that this team is giving up leads. Are you guys kidding me? Lead this team, Boudreau has lost. 30% outright since he's been there. You are what your record is, right? Travis Green lost 55%. And this media voted for him to try to get a new contract. You know, this is not about the players. It's 90% Jim Benning. He had four years. I was telling the team, city that two years in, the team wasn't as good as the record. No one wanted to hear me. No one wanted to hear me. He got four years. And we're piling all this resentment onto Boudreaux and this management because of Benning. That's it. And but last thing, what do you call, you know, when you, the opposite of building a statue? Because what's the opposite? Whatever that is, that's what we got to do for Jim Benning. Hey, Let's Mike. Focus this on Benning. Mike, before you hang up. Um, yeah. So, look, I, I think you're fair. Like, we've, we've talked about that last post game. Like, this is on the players. Yeah. But Jim Benning's gone. So, is it on the players to you now? No, but my point is, were you around here for the last eight years? Last five. Yeah, okay, well, the last eight years, the first four years when Benning was doing what he was doing, he got, you know what the argument was? Oh, Gillis didn't leave him anything. Oh, sure, yeah, but, no, no, 100%. No, no, like, no, that's fine. But, like, Jim Benning's gone now. No, Mike, Mike, Mike. Benning's been gone one year, Benning's been gone one year and left this team in a complete disaster. No, that's fair. we're not piling on him. But the thing, he's gone. I, I know what you Mike, mean. Mike, he's gone. 
Like, that's done but, but, now. Gillis was gone and for four and a half years. All we heard was how Gillis didn't. But, but that was idiotic, too. That was idiotic, too. Thanks for the phone call, Mike. Uh, to me, like, I, I never blamed Gillis. I, I imagine the underlying point is here, like, Jim Benning recruited this group of players. Yeah, and and, and, the point, and, and that it, to me is like the fair point. And I think the point he's also trying to make is that like Jim Benning, to his point, made a mess, and it's going to take a while to yes. untangle this mess. And that's not wrong, but at the same time, I mean, I was never big on you know let's blame all the failures of Benning or, the, or they having to do a rebuild on the flyer or, or retool or whatever because they weren't left with enough pieces. I thought that was a convenient excuse and it wasn't a good enough one. That doesn't mean that the Gillis tenure didn't have mistakes and problems, which you know, cause issues for the next regime. Of course, the same thing always kind of happens. You get good things and bad things, and some are worse than others. Now, I'm not sitting here defending Jim Benning. I'm not sitting here defending what happened. The point being, though, he's gone to your the point that you're making. And the other side that of it is, written. how do you get out of it? Yes. You know, and the other part of it was, how many of these players here can you truly build around? And how many of them are going to be part of the big picture or not? That's the conversation. And look, it's a fair point from Mike that, like, the, the conversations at times... The last eight years, yeah, were potentially slow, slower than they needed to be. Yeah, but you're here, like Jim Benning's got very little to do with a four-game losing streak. It's 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 his team. I get it, but but I, I get what he's trying to say. I think what he's trying to say is um, this is more about the players. Like, I, I know like I think, that regime's done. I don't think it was necessarily. You know, I mean, Mike's called in a lot on the post-game shows. He's a valued listener of ours, and you know he cares and he's passionate, and we love the passion from all you listening and and getting a part of this, but the point is some people are blaming Boudreaux, some are blaming Alvin and Rutherford for what's going on with the organization or their start or they didn't do enough, and his point is, instead of you guys pointing the finger at the coach and at the new management sure. team, the reason they're in this mess is because of what happened before. You gotta give them time to get out of it. I think that was kind of the point he was trying to make, yeah. but I'm, I'm with you. We can't just sit here and, and constantly bag on the people who, who, were, who were here before, because that's chasing ghosts. Yes. You know, To me, if you're looking at the past and blaming the past for your short Cummings, you're not dealing with your issues. And I'm not saying management's doing that, but you have to look forward and, and try to solve your issues and not look and assign blame for why they're there in the first place. Uh, before we go to the phone boards, Vic, a lot happening on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox as well, 650-650. Uh, William says he disagrees with the caller. Uh, we, why are we still talking about Jim Benning? Others texting in and saying, great call, and this guy is completely on point in terms of what Mike is saying. This is all Benning created. Uh, we also go for uh, jokes per 60. Uh, this one, the caller. Losing streak won't last forever. The Canucks, challenge accepted. Uh, yeah, we appreciate the jokes in the inbox. They're not going to lose all of them. There, somebody texted in, and I hate it, it's kind of lost. I kind of lost who, uh, who it was, the name that was signed. But I remember it was towards the end, the last preseason game, it was the Canucks and Coyotes. Mm -hmm. And we joked about the Coyotes being a really bad team and you know how they were playing in a bad arena. And this person texted in and said, hey, that's bad karma. Don't be making fun of them. Canucks haven't done anything, yada, yada. And my point was, hey, the Can well, we're trying to say the Canucks beat a team that only had seven shots on goal in the preseason. I'm just saying they're not a good team, and they're not a team you should aspire to be like and don't be excited about beating. And he says, well, uh, you should own the bad karma for making fun of a bad team. Fair enough. The Canucks are now 0-4 to start the season, one point in the first four games. And to his point, Arizona beat the Leafs. But Arizona has one win, and they've allowed 14 goals in three games. So they're not exactly playing well. But, of course, they have one more point than Vancouver does. One more uh, text before we get back to the phone line here. This group of hockey players is not a team. The best way for a fan to express displeasure is not go to games. Very powerful visual. Sends a very clear message. That's from Steph in New West. A home opener looming large yeah. on Saturday. For sure. Uh, this text, this is all the previous regime's players. So, yes, Benning gets the blame. Benning gets blame, but... 
do you give the players a pass because somebody brought them in and say, hey, hey it's not your fault. Somebody else brought you in, so you guys going to get yeah. And I don't think that's the point they're making, but the point being here is whoever's at fault or not, this is what you have, and this is what you're dealing like, with and you're trying to get out of. Jim Benning has paid the consequences of mistakes. He lost his that's, job. That's done. Yeah. So now you reevaluate what's left here, and we're looking at the players. And, and that's the thing that we talked about last night. I was going to say last game, yeah. but it was, it was last night. It was. At some point, this is on this group. Yeah. Uh, this one says, Sat, what do you think of Miller and OT? Pathetic. I don't like Miller's game tonight. No. You know, again, very lackadaisical. And this other text, he looked horrible at center. He needs to go back to the wing. For me, it's always been him playing center has turned into a necessity when in reality, it's it should never become the norm. It's true. But the thing is, if you don't play him at center, who's your third line center? No, that's, that's valid. the problem. That's I, valid. I mean, now when it comes to the way the roster is constructed, they, they committed to having Pedersen, Miller, and Horvat down the middle this year. That's how they constructed the team and built it out. But he's he's always been a winger that can play center. Yeah, fair. out of necessity. I completely agree. And now, I don't mind if he's making eight million dollars still playing on the wing. You need guys who can put the puck in the net. You need guys who can create goals. But the demand, like the the biggest thing that this organization should be looking for is more centers. Yeah. I know we talk about right-hand D, and hey, if a, a trade comes about, go get a right-hand D. For me, the biggest thing this organization needs is depth down the middle in your organization, yeah. in your entire franchise, not just at the NHL level, everywhere. Yeah. Start yeah. replenishing that. Absolutely, 100%. All right, let's go back to the phone board. 604-280-0650 your toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Uh, and let's go to... Langley, where Jake is on the line. Jake, thanks for calling in, buddy. Uh, what, what do you have for us after another tough loss? Hey, so before, before I get into the game, by the way, um, you know, I don't think anything beats, like, calling in on the radio after a good game or a bad game. <laughs> Just this, this platform, this media, you know, it's kind of dying out, and we all know it's kind of dying out. But at the end of the day, like, the respect I have for you guys, the work you guys do, the station, uh, especially the while it's still up here, it's, it's amazing, and uh, I just think you guys deserve a lot more credit than maybe you guys get, uh, especially in, in Vancouver here. So good job on that. So now let's get to some bad news. Actually, quick. Um, <laughs> we haven't paid you to come on also, yeah. by the way, so appreciate that. <laughs> the e-transfer is on the way. <laughs> I, I, I'm waiting for my e-transfer any minute, by the way. Um, uh, yeah, has anybody ever thought about potentially trans, uh, teaching Todd Colson maybe – center and maybe mm. make him as a third line center in the future maybe just look into it next season and maybe in the off season make him you know practice that a bit and then my second thought is uh you know i was i was pretty critical of bull horvat in the last uh, few games and i'm one of those guys who who still believes that we should trade him for some defensive and center help but uh, that being said i thought he had a very good game today um captain like you can say uh clutching a lot of yep. moments and strong game I just thought it's to mention it so uh that's it guys thanks hey thanks for the phone call that's jacob calling it out we always appreciate his thoughts you know i thought yeah i thought tonight bow wasn't the issue we can talk about the play in overtime which we broke yeah. down with randy and everything like that but you know had a strong game scored a couple goals and hey i gave Pedersen credit for going to the net and getting the lucky bounce off the wall and being able to score or uh what was it kemper misplaying the puck and hey you make your own luck by yep. going to the net horvat did the same thing he won back positioning got in front of the net it bounced off of him hey you take the bounces how you get them. Strong game from him. But it, it was arguably the only mistake he made all game. Pretty much. It just happened to be the game-winning goal in overtime. Yeah. And it's it, one that you shouldn't make. 
But there are multiple breakdowns again tonight. You can afford a mistake when you play. The, like again, yeah. we he was the best Canuck tonight, well, and he, arguably the best player on the ice tonight. Even even Pedersen, who we were talking about the other game, had a strong game. Then we criticized him for the turnover he had late yeah. in the game against Washington. You know, so it's the the thing is, as well as these individuals have played at moments. Everybody has a critical mistake at a critical time that's costing them. And it, even Pedersen has. Quinn Hughes, rough game again tonight. Yeah. Takes really the penalty, yeah. taking them off the power play. Yeah. Among other things, slipping in the corner, leading to zone time for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. Trying to force the puck in the middle of the ice, not even on a pass. I'm going to skate it through two guys, get stripped. Spencer Martin has to bail him out. A lot of things. Uh that Quinn Hughes had errors tonight. Yeah, certainly did. A lot of texts coming in. Uh, Michael on, uh, on Twitter says, uh, yes, this is Benning's uh, new management decided to go with this roster instead of pushing for a major reset. They may not have created this mess, but they chose to take ownership of this it, of it this summer. And I think it's fair, but also I think a lot of it, and I've broken this down, a lot of the guys they brought back was out of necessity. Now, Miller's definitely somebody they bet on and believed in and signed and committed to, and you can certainly look at that. But in terms of even Besser and some of the other guys, I think they were looking to make some trades, but they didn't get the value they wanted. I think they and they said it themselves, they wanted to do more. So I don't think they're as committed to this roster and this core as coming back with them this year indicates. And to somebody texted in and said, hey, uh, Benning had eight years. These guys have had 10 months. Yeah, not even. Like, hey, let's give it some time, you know? I'm stunned. Yeah. Like, last night, Stunned that nobody in the organization was free of the criticism, <laughs> the venom, venom. Oh that yeah, was coming into the organization. I mean, everybody was getting box. it. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, hey, uh, Malcolm Ert texts in and says this isn't on Benning. It's not a Horvat, nor Bruce, not Green. This is squarely on the shoulders of ownership. So I mean, everybody is getting it. Nobody is coming away with criticism at this point, and that's that's where we're at. The Canucks they made history again tonight, becoming the first team in NHL history to lose four games in a row at any point in the season after holding a multi-goal lead in every one of those games. Never happened. So here, we're, here we are. All right, we're going to get back to more of your reaction, more post-game reaction from Canucks players and head coach Bruce Boudreaux. Phone boards are open, 604-280-0650, or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650, and get your thoughts into our text inbox, 650-650. Canucks lose 4-3 in overtime in Columbus against the Blue Jackets. It's Satin Bick, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Across the Columbus line into the slot for Horvat. Makes a deep to the backhand. Low shot stopped by Merzlikens. Rebound side of the net. Hoaglander digging away for it. Was pushed off the puck by Voracek. And here's a two-on-one the other way for the Blue Jackets. Chinikov across to Gavrikov. He scores! Canucks lose in overtime against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Dropped their fourth straight game to begin the season. Did pick up one point tonight. The one point they have on the season. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Get your thoughts in to our text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. We are going to get to your phone calls. So if you have a line, hold on to it. And you can grab one that is open right now as well. And we'll get to your text messages. But... As always, we get to the head coach after the game. Here is Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux 
on what he said to the team after another back-breaking loss. I mean, I didn't say anything to the team. I think they were mad enough at everything and the, the way the sticks were being tossed around. And sometimes after a game like this, nothing's going to get through anyway. I mean, so it's uh, uh, better to talk to them tomorrow. Did you see any uh, positive strides in the way they handled well, giving up a lead, or was it the same? We competed. Thing? No, like I mean, we competed. We came back. Uh, I thought in the last ten minutes of the game, we had. You know, 75% of the chances, we just didn't score. Um, uh, we, we didn't, the first five minutes of the third, we might have backed up and were, were tentative. But once they made it 2-2, I thought we played to win. And uh, that's, what, that's what you want. You want to play to win. What did you think of Myers coming off the plane? I thought Myers played good today. I thought Mikheyev played good for his first game back. You know, so, I mean... Those are positive steps. Pullman played good. Your goalie? I mean, I, you know, I was a little nervous on his puck handling, but, I mean, uh, uh, like he couldn't do nothing on the, the last goal. And, I mean, Goodrow gets around the net pretty quick there. So, But for the for the most part, I thought he was pretty adequate. Garland was the uh, odd man out tonight. What was the thought process behind that? Well, I mean, we just got to be uh, accountable. I mean, the, the way we played, I could have taken a lot of guys out, but uh, we got one extra forward, and uh, I chose him. What do you need to see more? What would you like to see more from him? Well, I mean, you're asking that question. I mean, like the, I know how good he can play, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, but I know how good a lot of these guys can play, and they haven't done it yet. So, I mean, uh, it's not just Connor. I mean, he'll play. he'll play again, but, I mean, it's uh, uh, well, we've got to get uh, better as a group. But I, I thought today was, you know, we didn't hang our head and sulk. We came out and we played. And I thought we played hard and we played to win. And, and that's what I want them to do. Leaned a lot on Burroughs last night. Scratched him. Was it? Again, I mean, we put two guys in, and I mean, I definitely like the righty-lefty combination better. Um, so I mean, uh, uh, it could very easily have been Berg, You know. He, probably didn't deserve to come out on the way he's been playing and the way he's competing. But, I mean, if we wanted to go with the righty-lefty combination for this game, I mean, it'll, it could all change in Minnesota. But, I mean, for this game, that was what we went with. You're just going to Minnesota, I mean, is it just wipe the slate clean, start fresh? Well, just, you know, you look at the positives. you got a point there, and now let's build off it. And before we go home, let's, let's get the first win. I know, uh, you know. They're struggling as well. I mean, they'll pro play a great game against us. But, I mean, um, when we compete, you know, uh, we're a hard team to beat. And tonight, we were a hard team to beat. That is Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreau after a 4-3 loss in overtime in Columbus against the Blue Jackets. And a couple of notable things at the end. Let's start with the Connor Garland move. We reported this on the pregame show that he uh, was healthy, so it was a healthy scratch and not an injury. And the coach confirms that postgame and says he could have taken a lot of guys out, chose Garland, however. And he knows how good he can be and they need accountability and probably wants to see him, he probably gets back in the lineup pretty soon, but he did address the Garland thing, and um, I mean, the reasoning makes sense. You you take out a player who's notable, and, you know, it shakes up the room or whatever. The question was, out of all the players, should he have been the one that comes out? Regardless, like Bruce said, that's a choice he made. Sure. Um, again, he, he is right. There were a lot of candidates to take out, uh, and I guess you want to make it prominent enough that a message kind of gets sent, and of the forwards, where did he fit in? He was 
sixth in ice time yeah. after three games. So, sure. Um, I don't know, was Dakota Joshua? Again, I understand like you're trying to send a message, but did Dakota Joshua need to be in the lineup no, over Connor Garland? I, my, okay, so playing devil's advocate for a second, I think it doesn't resonate if you take Hoaglander out. It doesn't resonate if you take Joshua out or sure. Lazar out. It resonates if you take out a guy who makes money. And it is a top six guy. Honestly, I mean, the way Pearson had played, we could have easily taken him out. But more but, of a veteran. It's clear that... It, it, one thing is clear, too, right? Out of all those veteran players, who's the guy that Bruce has shown he values values the least? Connor Garland. Exactly. Yeah. So I, don't, I, I think if you look at the situation, you want to take out a top six or high-paid player. The player that he's always had on the outside looking in, in moments, when you look at putting top six together, and which he's given credit to, but also said he'd be really good if he was big. He'd be effective if he was big. Yeah. He always says, yeah, but, yeah, but about Garland. So clearly, he's not enamored with the player. So I think he just looked at it and said, he's my most expendable top six, top nine guy that makes money, and he's the guy I'm going to whip. But here's the, here's the thing. It's a high-risk move, and you better be right. And you lost the game today. Yeah. Didn't work out. So, so it didn't work out, and you go back to Sunday. Yeah. You bring them in, have a practice, skate them hard. That's a high-risk move. You get one point out of two games. That one didn't work out. Was the message more important than the results? Probably not. Hey. Again, it just, it's, it's just one of these things that you look at and say, you've played a couple of big cards here, yeah. and they haven't worked out. And, and you, he, you invite pressure upon yourself. I turned to you during the break so many times. It's like it's not to say that you can't be critical of certain things management did this offseason. Like in, for instance, should they have committed to certain players or not, mm-hmm. right? The commitments they made. They signed Mikheyev. They gave Besser an extension. They gave Hor- uh, they gave uh, uh, Miller an extension. Those individual things, their moves they did, commitments they made, you can criticize that or applaud it, whatever it is, individually. You don't blame the coach for where they are this season, but you can pick at certain things he's done and criticize it and critique it. And critiquing certain things about Bruce doesn't mean he's at fault for where they're at. But right now, they have to get answers. And he's not really getting those answers. And he's pushing buttons, and it hasn't worked out yet. And that's, to your point, a tricky spot to be in. The one I didn't like was Kyle Burrows. We'll talk about that yeah. a bit more and what he had to say about, about Burrows because um, I thought he played really well, and that's what uh, Bruce admitted to as well. So we'll see if he gets back into the lineup on Thursday in Minnesota against the Wild. Uh, we'll get to more of your text messages, 650-650. This one says, Pearson should just sit regardless. Uh, Pearson is terrible. Dakota Joshua is terrible. So uh, there are a bunch of different ones that are coming in. Uh, so we'll get to more of those text messages coming up in a second, but let's go to the phone boards. Uh, Killian has been waiting patiently to get on. Killian, thanks for holding on to your line. Uh, what's your mind tonight hi uh can't really talk uh for too long uh but i just want to talk about horvath uh you know people have been saying trade horvath trade horvath but like look five shots on goal two goals that's hockey right there all right the only mistake that the canucks really make is taking myers off the ice okay everyone's always talking about in these past four games uh why uh why are they blowing these leads it's because their backs give out from holding all the hate that the fans give them, all right? I'm telling you right now, playoffs are on the table. It's only a matter of time. Canucks are winning the Stanley Cup. All right, love it. Hey, Killian, thanks for the phone call. You know what? You know, you all-out yeah. fan believes in the hype. I love it. And again, I we said, it. Bo Horvath was the – again, I, I might even say, forget even best Canuck. He was the best player on the ice tonight. Tonight? Yeah, I mean, that's fair. And, yeah, he made one mistake. That's hockey. It happens. 
They they got one point tonight. They got one point tonight. Like, end of the day, they got one point. But Killian's right. Like he he was fantastic on the ice tonight. Two he goals, was. five shots, one attempt, fifty two percent in the draw, and played twenty minutes. Yeah, but one mistake. One and mistake. You needed a certain level of restraint in the overtime, and it didn't manifest. And nope. suddenly you're you're. On a road trip where best you can do is three points out of ten. Yeah. So by the yeah. way, I'm just looking now. They were thirty eight percent in the draw tonight. Yeah. Rough night in the face off circle this evening. Uh rough, rough evening yet again. Uh and someone texted in and said, Hey, uh Garland isn't a star, give you guys give your head a shake and all that sort of stuff. He makes four point nine million. So when you're if you're looking to send a message, the guys you send a message to are guys that are making money and are considered part of, you know, your your bigger core. And, you know, he was tied with Miller and five on five points last year so he was a big producer for this team last season but clearly not in the good books with the head coach let's go back to the phone board 604-280-0650 let's go to lions bay and bring in jose into the combo jose thanks for your call man what do you got for us tonight all right guys so hey Seth. hey hey Vic. i heard a, a previous caller say you know this is jim benning's fault etc cetera, etc cetera. you know what I'm actually actually placing a lot of the blame right now on Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford. Here's what I heard last year, last season. We need to create more cap space. We can't trade away draft picks. I heard Rutherford apparently telling John Shannon and Nick Kiprios that the team was at the country club. And everyone knew the decor was not good enough. So what's happened so far? You pay McKayev 4.75 mil? Tyler Mott could have been had for 1.35 million. That would have given you 3.4 mil for, for an extra defenseman. They trade Dickinson in a second rounder for Riley Stillman, and they re-signed Bester and Miller. It's still Benning's team. So I'm kind of looking at this. And the other thing, too, I've noticed about Bruce Boudreaux, he's not the same guy we saw last year. He's under immense pressure when the season, the preseason started. He's not loose. The team's not loose. And something just seems off, guys. So what do you think? Hey, Jose, thanks for the phone call. I mean, the, the whole feeling off thing, there's a reason why during the preseason I was harping on habits. I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't think the organization is impressed. If they want to be better, they got to start acting like it. I know it's the preseason, but these vibes and these signs are not good. The vibes were impeccable heading into training camp. My goodness. In Whistler, the first few days, everything they said, the interviews. The captain skates. Ooh, fantastic. Impeccable vibes. Those vibes turn in the preseason. I don't know why. Um, we're not in the room to know exactly. Um, but as far as expectations, I don't think it's been impressive. Now, as far as them committing to the roster, it's fair that they committed to certain players. But again, I think they wanted to do more with this roster than they were able to do. Can they do that as the season goes on? But right now, Bruce Boudreaux, to Jose's point, looks like a guy and feels like a guy who is under a lot of pressure. To your point, he's already played two big cards. We're four games into the season. Backskated them on a day off, which should be a day off when you're playing four and six nights and three and four nights, heading into a back-to-back. They don't win. Sits Garland, and they still don't win tonight. That shows that early in the season, he's feeling the heat. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if that means. I don't. Th- I don't think it means what people think it does in terms of Bruce is about to lose his job. But I think what Bruce is playing playing for is whether you're going to be here long term or not. And with the way things are going and the way I don't think the organization is impressed, he's probably feeling that if they don't turn this around, this might be my last year in Vancouver. That's kind of the vibe 
it feels. That's what the vibe feels like right now. That's why they got to start winning games there. And to Jose's point, the other thing I, w- I want to ask is in general, like, uh, look, I understand. Look, they spent four point seven five on Mikheyev. Why can't you spend that on the defense? Yeah, but you already have like what the no, one but, of the highest paid defenses in the league. What was the demon that you wanted on free agency this Klingberg, year? Klingberg, maybe. You don't have the space for it. Yeah, you didn't really have the space for it. I mean, if you made um, the Dickinson trade ahead of time, if you could have moved that money, if you're moving to second, like Josh Manson, four point seven five, he's going to go back to Colorado. Yeah. Um. But by and large, like in free the, agency, it was going to be tough. It would have had to be trade, and they yeah. tried. And it was hard to make trades. And the Canucks already have one of the, one of the highest-paid blue lines. And unless they move somebody out, you're just throwing more money at the issue. So that's a big problem here, too. And if you go through historically the way they want to build this out, um, just tracking how Jim Rutherford has spent money in Carolina and in Winnipeg, or uh, Winnipeg, in, in uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. I saw Penguins. I'm Penguins, yeah. Winnipeg. Uh, they're spending about 5% more on the Canucks blue line than Jim Rutherford has spent in general. And if you think, oh, 5%, that's not really that much, is it? Well, factor in 5% on... It's like $3.5 million on the cap. 4.1. 4.1. Yeah, it's it's actually uh, maybe a little bit less. But, yeah, it's about $4 million. That's significant. So the point that I've been trying to make here that I've heard, and you know, it's pretty obvious from what you mentioned as well, they feel like they're spending a lot on the defense as well. It's about reallocating that money, clearing mm-hmm. that out, and they haven't been able to clear that out yet. But at some point, you got to start addressing that defense uh, long-term. All right, let's go back to the phone board. Let's go to London, Ontario, where Joey's on the line. Joey, I know you've been holding on to that line for a while. We appreciate it. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Yeah, yeah guys. Joey. You know, just, hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, we're good. Okay, yeah. Uh, you know, thank you, guys. Uh, hell of a show you guys have gone on here. You Thanks, know, man. 0-4, what, what else are you supposed to do? <laughs> 0-3-1. and 1. We're, we're about uh, facts. Yeah. Okay. Facts only. I don't really care about 0-3-1. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm up. I'm going to be prepared for home games where I'm going to be up till 1 a.m. Well, I love, I love it. With. You know, really, I'm, what I'm looking at right now is, okay, we brought in this new crew, we got the coach, and we got a bunch of players here. I'm not going to blame anyone. You know what I mean? I don't want anyone fired because, you know, in mm-hmm. a couple weeks when we're 5 and 17 and everyone's, oh, get rid of the coach, get rid of this, get rid of that. You know, for me, I am now in the mindset where really all it's about, let's just watch the hockey this year. You know, who knows what Rutherford and Alvin and, you know, uh, Boudreaux have been saying behind closed doors. Hey, there's a kid in North Van in Regina right now that only follows one hockey team in all of the NHL. <laughs> you know, what's that team? That's, that's Connor Bedard and the Vancouver Canucks. You know, I'm looking at it right now where one more year of this dreadful, dreadful system how is rutherford one he run he won in pittsburgh with a little guy named Sidney crosby you know maybe that's what he's looking for he's like you know what i got this kid homegrown maybe the aquilinas are like hey homegrown kid cash flow this is what we want <laughs> you know this is what we want guys you know yeah. i'm at the point we're owing for i'm not going to say the season's over you know we're going to have some fun we're going to win some games maybe who knows it'll turn around and we'll get into a playoff spot or a wild card spot. But right now, I'm just going to have fun with it and say they're doing this on purpose, guys. Hey, hey, like, man. hey Joey, thanks for the phone call. I appreciate the thoughts. A good run there. And I mean, hey, it's the right mentality to have. If it goes pear shaped, maybe you end up getting Connor Bedard. But for them to be, they have to be really bad. And remember how bad they Connor were. Connor Bedard picked this team to win the Stanley Cup this year. I saw that yeah, on Twitter. But he said that there's only one team that can win the Cup, and it's the Canucks. I mean, he's a homer all the way through. I'd love for the Canucks to draft Connor Bedard. Can't trust his judgment. <laughs> I'm 
kidding. <laughs> Vic is already out on Connor Bedard. I'm kidding. How do you believe in this team? Uh, no. They have to be so bad to be in those sweepstakes. Yes. They just... As bad as things are right now, and I said the same thing last year, and people were like, "Come on, man, this might—they—they they might break a record." I'm like, "They're going to win at least 30 games, guys." Remember, they were on pace for like 15 wins. It's professional sports. Yeah. Well, remember somebody texted, somebody called in early in the season when they lost a bunch of games. And said, oh, they're not going to get 40 points. And he said they're not going to win 12 games or whatever yeah. it was all season. I'm like, I'm like, I guarantee you they'll win 30 games. This was when they were going really, really bad. I guarantee you, same thing this year. They're going to get at least 80 some points. So probably not bad enough for the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. But you know what? Right now, they're on pace for it. So if you want to believe in the pace in the moment, then go right ahead. Whatever you got to tell yourself to tune into the next game, we're here for it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, We have a lot of good reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. This one here says, could have got Marino uh, with the pick they moved Dickinson with and then the money to spend Mikheyev with uh, on. That's one text that came in. Uh, We need an O'Reilly type of player and Tanev type of players. We're a soft team. So uh, a lot of those types of thoughts coming in as well. There's so many texts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this one. Actually, I, I was talking about the demon that they could have signed in the summer. Uh, this one should have signed Ilya Labushkin. A little bit slower, but he is a player I actually do like and, and would have fit on the right side. Uh, so that's a good text and, and certainly would have been a lot cheaper than uh, some of the higher-priced uh, assets available. So that was a name. Yes, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a fair name. But, um, yeah. Not exactly a long list of candidates on the free agent market. Let's get one more call in before we go to break and get back with more of your reaction and post-game reaction from uh, players coming in uh, after the game. Let's go to Vancouver where William is on the line. William, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight, man? Uh, yeah, good to talk to you guys. Um, I was just mainly, I actually, I really, I do appreciate the last caller. I think the Bedard thing, very smart. Um, but I, you guys putting a lot of focus on the players, I feel like with, after especially giving Brock an extension, I saw a thing on uh, Twitter a couple of months ago that was Brock has, I think, like 30 even strength goals over the past three seasons. Mm-hmm. And he's worse than guys like Marcus Foligno, Connor Sheary, and stuff like that. And it's kind of a point where I don't know where Brock should, like, you know, where does he fit in this roster beyond just being on the power play, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's a fair question. Thanks for the phone call. And, I mean, where do you go with that? That's tough. Um, and, and this is, like Brock declared, like, this is the year that I'm going to hit 30 goals. And, look, the injury yeah. didn't help. Uh, but the five-on-five goals is certainly something to keep an eye on. And this is the thing. He doesn't get enough usage on the power play, something that we were going to talk about last time. Um, he shoots a ton on the power play, but he doesn't really touch the puck enough on the power play. Well, especially now when he's playing the net front role, yeah. plays the, touches the puck even less. And so since JT Miller has arrived here, I kind of did the math on this. He's actually thir- 23rd in the league uh, since uh, for forwards since JT Miller has arrived. 23rd in the league in shot attempts on no, the power No, for goals. For goals. He's 19th in shot attempts, but his expected goals is actually 50th. And you go through the expected goals across all the Canucks, the big four, Miller, Besser, Horvat, Patterson. Their expected goals, Besser leads them at 50th. Horvat's at 79th across the league for forwards. Elias Patterson's at 146th. 
So with JT Miller is at 177. That expected goals. They're outperforming their expected goals because they have efficient shooters. They're just relying on shot on, on shooting percentage. Basically. Yeah, because Pedersen has a good shooting percentage. Horvat in his spot has a good shooting percentage. 24 so percent, which is seventh in the league. Yeah, so does JT Miller. So they have high shooting percentages, not a lot of volume. And this kind of goes back to a lot of frustration that Boudreaux has on the power play. He says shoot the puck more, and you saw. When the power play was at its best, it was actually that late power play in the third period. They didn't get a goal for it. But, but they those had were rush chances, too. No, they were. But they were also set up a little bit, too. When they were set up and they got some shots on and they had a couple of rebound opportunities and stuff. Like, that was that, that was positive. They, have ur- they had urgency. It wasn't just about passing it to the outside. It was about getting a shot on. It was about creating something. And when they play with urgency, that power play is good. But to your point, they got to shoot more. They're, the reason they score a lot of goals is because they have a lot of efficient scores. But the mindset still has to be to get more pucks on goal. Absolutely, and it, it's just—it's too methodical at times. Uh, it's—it's it's too reactive, yeah, rather than being proactive. And until you flip that switch, and we, we see what they can create off of the rush, and it can be very exciting at times. They really need to do that a lot more. Yeah, they, they certainly do. All right, uh, we're going to go back. We're going to get back to more of your phone calls coming up in a few minutes, 604-280-0650, and we'll also get to a more player reaction after the game. A lot of texts coming in. This one says, "Sat, I am sad and down bad. We'll try to talk you through it and be here with you as the Canucks struggled again tonight, dropping a 4-3 decision in overtime against the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's Sat and Bick, more of the Canucks Central postgame show coming up on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio. Network. Back to more Canucks Central post game show coverage. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, not a lot was said tonight. Um, we'll, t- we'll talk about it for sure. But, uh, you know, it's we got to really dissect what uh, you know, the little issues are that, are that are costing us. And we just have to get better at them. Canucks defenseman Tyler Myers, who flew into Columbus after missing the first three games of the season with an injury, helped the Canucks out tonight. They got a point. They lost another multi-goal lead and dropped the decision 4-3 in overtime against the Blue Jackets. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep getting your thoughts into our text inbox, Dunbar Lumber 650-650. And we'll get to some of those coming up in a second. But as promised, we are going to get to the phone boards right away. 604-280-0650. And we've had a lot of callers waiting patiently, full phone board for pretty much the entire evening. And we have uh, one of our callers, out east who's been waiting a while to get on and it is Cole in Syracuse, New York. Cole, thanks for hanging in there, buddy. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Yeah, thanks, Seth. So, I mean, it's uh, it's it's tough really who to place the blame on. Like, I love this group. I love watching them in the bubble. I like Bruce. I got one of the Bruce There It Is shirts. Um, but you guys talked about it, that he's made three decisions. The bag skate, benching Garland, taking Burroughs out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those decisions, too, and their inability to defend and puck watching – that's on the coaches. That's on their preparation, too. So as much as you want to put blame on the players, there's obviously blame to go there, too. Mm-hmm. I hate putting blame on, on Bruce, but there's there's obvious blame toward him as well. But Daryl Keeping tweeted this, and he's 100%, he's 100% spot on. The person to blame for all of this and the botched rebuild and the whole Linden thing is Francesco Aquilini. He wants that playoff boost. He wants that extra money. And he's a greedy SOB, to put it mildly, on radio. Right, and that's why the Canucks are in this position that they're in. Is Aquilini is a greasy owner. Hey, thanks for the phone call. Uh, that is Cole calling in from New York, calling out uh, pretty much everybody. So there you go. I mean, as far as uh, Bruce Boudreaux is concerned, um, you can definitely 
talk about some of the decisions. Like we mentioned before, hey, the Canucks are not in this position as a team because of Bruce Boudreau. But as far as some decisions, especially the last few games, and them trying to get out of this and finding answers and solutions, well, he's coming up empty. And as far as what else he said about ownership, hey, listen, at the end of the day, everybody wears it when your team is po- does poorly. The Bruce thing, you know, we talked about it on Monday. And the, the the narrative that was building steam, I know you guys talked about it at Canuck Central, uh, you and Riccio. It's like, really? We're talking about Bruce already? Mm-hmm. The overall picture is a bit nonsensical to talk about it. And yeah, I talk about trading him? I mean, sorry, or, firing him? Yeah, and, and I understand why. It's the first mechanism people want to pull yeah. and just say, oh, fire the coach. This is what you do. That's silly. But in the past two days here... Mm-hmm. Again, it's the decisions you make. How are they impacting results, and are they translating to Ws? You chose to bagskate them a few games into the season. Yeah, is that the right move? Yeah, and I understand people's natural reaction is, "Yeah, you got to crack the whip." Okay, but eventually you have to stop cracking the whip, and then what happens? Like, what's the response then? And are they going to rebound from that? So it's 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 the constant. Like awareness of the mood of the team, knowing how long the runway is. Because if you lose them by game 20, what's the next 40 games going to look like? What's the next 60 games going to look like? And now you've played that card. You've taken Connor Garland out, who, again, can be a productive 5-on-5 player, but he wasn't in the lineup tonight. Yeah, and now you've lost that one too. Kyle Burroughs has been balling out. He praised him. I know. In, I mean, post game. Th- honestly, that one, I, I wouldn't say I was upset about it, but I, out of all the players, I couldn't think of a player least deserving to come out of the lineup than Kyle Burroughs. Honestly, and hey, so people texted him when we were talking pregame about this, or you know, and during the first intermission, it's like, well, the reason he takes these guys out is because they worked hard. You give those guys a rest, and you make everybody else work hard. But Bert, Bruce didn't say that like Bruce clearly said Garland needs to be better and he said Burroughs didn't deserve to come out I wanted the lefty righty he didn't say it was because hey Burroughs I give him the night off he works very hard he's gonna get back in there he said I want a lefty righty combination he wanted Riley Stillman to be playing with Luke Shen or he wanted to be playing with Myers at times or playing with Pullman or they moved things around they had Pullman with Hughes quite a bit they had Shen playing with Riley Stillman at times I thought that was a mistake you know I wouldn't have rushed to bring Pullman in and if I was, the guy I'm taking out was Riley Stillman. I, I felt like Burroughs didn't deserve to come out of the lineup. I felt that was unfair for a guy who battled and played really well the last couple of games. Went through the wall for you. Yeah. And and that's what you want. And it's not just about the evaluation of the player, how he's playing. It's also the message that sends to, to everyone else. It's like, this guy's battling really hard and he's getting out of the lineup. And Tucker Pullman, again, Bruce said he had a good game. Was kind of at fault for the... Uh, Dan fourth goal, the way he turns the puck over, creates a goal, mind you, throwing it off Bo Horvat. But there were problem spots throughout t- t- this game. And we look, we talked about it. Do you do you take a guy out of the lineup because of injury? I personally understand why coaches do that. But at the same time, like it, it was a difficult spot. It made way more sense to me for Riley Stillman to come out of the lineup mm-hmm. than Pullman or Burroughs. Yeah, absolutely. I was in the same way with them. And, you know, we got a lot of texts coming in too. People texting in and saying, good call about ownership, good call about Boudreaux and all that sort of stuff. So like I said, everybody's wearing it. Uh, this one about Mike Yo, Keith the water guy. I blame Mike Yo. He loses everywhere he goes. Yeah, uh, this one uh, from the Notorious Baguette Man. Uh, people concerned about all these blown leads, but it would be would it be more concerning if they didn't get leads at all? That's the important takeaway here. They are, in fact, scoring. They actually get before they figure out how to weather the storm when opponents make that third-period push, especially with a couple actual NHL defensemen back in the lineup. Here's the thing. It's like 
teams always raise their level mm -hmm. and the Canucks don't match it. That's the concern, too. It goes back to competitive spirit. Uh, I'd rather deal with this problem than the PK that we talked about last year, as I mentioned yesterday, but it's still a problem. It still goes back to effort levels, work rate, mm -hmm. all the same things that we talked about yesterday. Yeah, and also a lot of critical mistakes, puck management. And hey, like I mentioned before, you, you can look at this game. Had you got results in two out of the first three games, you could have looked at this game and said, you know what, hey, it's the fourth game uh, in three nights. You played back-to-back. -back. You guys battled. Yeah, you made some mistakes, but hey, you're exhausted. You got a point out of it. You can live with it. But because you didn't get results before, it's not good enough, you know? And hey, maybe that's unfair, but what did Mike Tomlin say again, Bick? The game is the game. Uh, yeah, football is the game. The business is winning. Hockey is the game. The business is winning. You got to win. It's, it's that, you got to start getting simple. some wins. And, and right now, they're at a point where they haven't been able to get any wins. Uh, let's go back to the phone board. 604-280-0650. You're toll-free. 1-888-275-0650. Uh, let's go to Maple Ridge where Dave is on the line. Dave, thanks for calling in. Uh, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, good show tonight. Thanks for the call. Um, just a couple of things. Um, the things I can think of that need to change would be not so much the coaching or anything. I disagree with the previous caller blaming the, the ownership. It comes down to the roster, and we're, we're really too stacked on the forwards, and our goaltending is really good. It's our defense is our obvious weakness here, and I'm thinking – the solution to all of this is going to be a trade. And I, I'm thinking, I wanted to hear what you guys think about maybe trading one of our uh, forwards in the depth position there to, to get some help on D. Hey, uh, I mean, thanks for the phone call and the suggestion as far as, you know, trading a, a depth player for D. The thing is, you're not getting a good defenseman for a depth player. You're getting somebody who can play games for you maybe, but you're not getting anybody that's, you know, moving the needle for you. They acquired Riley Stillman in the Jason Dickinson trade. That's the quality of player you're looking at acquiring if you're moving players from your bottom six. That's just the reality of the valuation of that. I don't think moves on the edges of the roster shakes things up. No, we've seen that time and time you again. Know, and they made a bunch of moves on the edges of the roster this offseason. Hey, I mean, you say Kuzmenko can be a core guy. McKayev can be a core guy, of course. But Lazar, role guy. Joshua, role guy. So... They've have made those changes, and making those big core changes are always tougher to do because teams want value back in return. So you can't force anything. And people were wondering because Garland got healthy scratched. Because could that mean he could get traded? Honestly, Vic, when a player gets healthy scratched, it doesn't help his value. So when I see yeah. a player get healthy scratched, people are like, "Oh, that means gonna, he's going to get traded." If anything, that means it's probably harder to trade him, or at least less likely in the moment he's going to get traded. Because What's your argument? Hey, we got a guy making four point nine million, but we got off to a bad start, and he's been one of our worst players, and he's not playing. That's not exactly an enticing asset for another team. It's an explosive message, yes, and it certainly doesn't make Patrick Alvin's and Jim Rutherford's job any easier if they were trying to move Connor Garland. But as you talked about, this was a coach's decision, not about anything larger, no injury or anything like that. Uh, yeah, that that certainly doesn't help the situation. And look, losing doesn't help the situation either. Uh, for for any other player that you're talking about, because teams are looking about it and, and saying, "Well, this is a team that's uh, picking up a lot of L's right now. Do we want to bring that in?" And I know uh, Elliot's talked about this on the Thirty Two Thoughts Pod that he's talked to GMs that they don't like looking at certain players if they're completely out of the playoff chase because they yeah. want them engaged come February and March, and so it's tough to flip that switch. So you, 
you kind of got to stay in the, the the chase of it. You have and, to, and they will get back in the chase of it. I know yes. it looks very bleak, but as you said, like they'll they'll get to at least eighty points. They'll be in the chase of it. It just they they wanted to be judged off the start of the season, which has not been good the past few seasons. No, they're o three and one now. Yeah, that's that's why there's this level of criticism. That's why we're talking about explosive moves like scratching Connor Garland and if the bag team, skates. Listen, if the team wasn't worried about what was going on, if, if they were okay with the process, and they're like, hey, you know what, these things happen early in the season, they wouldn't be doing the things you just mentioned. It shows a level of concern and, to some degree, a level of desperation early in the season. I mean, I thought Shorty nailed it on, on the TV broadcast. He's like, this is game four of the season. Yeah. Why does it feel like it matters so much? And it does. Now, you made the point that every game should matter, and that's more fun and exciting. Yeah, sure, but... It it literally felt like a lot was on the line. The I, stakes I, felt high, yeah, very high for the fourth game of the season. I'm gravitating to a spot that, the you know the phrase that we use always in March is like four point game. It's like no, it's, it's still two points. Two points yes. it's two points today and it's two points in March. This should matter. It should matter, but it, but you know it felt different. It felt like the stakes were higher in these games. Mike and West Kelowna texting in. What's the freaking problem? Trade Besser and Pearson. It's not that simple. <laughs> You know what I mean? Now, yeah, it's simple to move guys and make a trade, but you may not do well in the trade. I think that that's a big thing. All right, uh, let's get one more uh, phone call in here, 604-280-0650. Uh, let's go to Victoria, where Neil is on the line. Neil, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Hey, Sat. Hey, great show. Another great show, boys. Uh, you know, I'm listening to the other callers and, and, and the commentary, and I'm, I'm going like, <clears throat> my the reason I'm calling it's it's, not enough talk about Tanner Pearson mm-hmm. and I'm going, why is Tanner Pearson getting these juicy uh, top line power play minutes? Uh, and it, you know, I, I'm, it all comes down to fear. I, I think this is a scared, fearful team. Uh, Boudreaux looks different this year. They they're playing scared. Um uh, our best defenseman had another bad night tonight, just playing scared. And I think it's 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 Boudreaux's way of going. I gotta have some some sort of guarantee that we're gonna have some defensive forwards in here. But to pull Garland, who actually makes something happen, who who, who plays with heart, and to put in a grinder like Tanner Pearson, who had his day back, you know, when the Kings were good he just does not work on this team and it it, it's so frustrating to see this guy who when he gets chances fires it right into the goalie's chest every time and it wasn't that long ago he went 30 goals without 30 games without scoring a goal and you know i'm watching him play and i'm going is he ever going to score and that's my take hey uh thanks for the phone call appreciate the thoughts and you know, I understand the frustration at Tanner Pearson, too, because I don't think he's played well. I mean, the best moment Tanner Pearson had was on the Bull Horvat goal uh, last, last night. Yeah. You know, makes the play, nice bank pass off the boards uh, to to uh, Besser, it was, who got the, gets the puck over. He takes a shot, and Horvat banks in the rebound. I thought Pearson made a good play on that rush and a couple of good plays along the walls. But he's been a bit slow. He's been behind the pace. And not making the most of his opportunities either. So I think it's fair to even point out Pearson. And as far as Garland sitting this game out, you could easily make the case that a guy like Pearson should have came out ahead of him anyways. You know, and that's just where these guys are at. Usually the reason Pearson plays every game, he's a very safe player. 
And generally, he does the things the coach wants. He's good along the walls. He wins battles, plays down low. He's able to do the things his team wants to do under Boudreaux, which is play down low and cycle and do those sort of things. So he plays into that. And, and generally, he's a safe, hardworking player. But just like everybody else, he, he hasn't been good enough either. So I get the criticism. There's plenty of culpability to go around. Yeah. And yeah, Tanner Pearson's... Uh, definitely uh, in the crosshairs for our, a lot of fans right now. Yeah, absolutely is. Uh, now, before we go uh, back to the to the phone boards, uh, a lot popping off uh, in the text inbox, 650-650. Uh, Rhino says, this team needs to get puck-moving D-men bottom, bottom line. Sedins became 100-point players once they loaded the blue line. Earhop, Ham, Hughes, Bieksa, Edler, Sallow. Reallocate the forward depth. He may actually improve the offense. That is Rhino texting in. Different philosophies of how to build it up, right? And again, we're talking about Jim Rutherford's philosophy. Uh, traditionally, has been load up the forward group yeah. and spend less on the decor. And what that would look like in today's cap world versus what we saw in Carolina, and obviously, you know, the the, the two cup winning teams uh, for him in uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, to spend that money now, you, you need to clear about yeah five to eight percent for five million dollars on the blue line, yeah, and reallocate that to the forwards. That, yeah. that's kind of where they want to be. Yeah, they still have to move some money out, and, that, and that's part of the the quagmire they got to figure out is that cap conundrum on the back back end. Nice word. Got to change it up a little bit. See you working. But I mean, so if they can change that up. And it really comes down to, I mean, you saw Myers come back and play, but he makes so much money and is an awkward fit on the team. OEL makes a lot of money, is a bit of an awkward fit on the team. Those guys can't coexist, making over $13 million on this team and you being able to have that nice mix. And right now, you can't do anything about it. They're, Can you do something about it when you get out, get to the offseason? Yeah. You know, because even if you move the Pearson money out, yeah, that, that helps out and clear some space for you. But if you're not moving any of the money out of the back end, you're throwing more money. So all of a sudden, if you add another $4 million player, then you're spending about 10% more uh, on the defense than Rutherford did at any point when he was the GM of the Penguins, which is an untenable situation. No team is spending that much on their back end. The Tyler Myers thing, it's it's a $5 million signing bonus coming up in the offseason. Yeah. That's the biggest trouble. It's not that Tyler Myers doesn't have value. I just think it's it's the $5 million that's going to – I think we'll get to a stage two stat where that bonus will get paid out if they move him and they retain salary. I, I'm i kind of preparing myself to be stunned at the return. Yeah. Because we talked about like there isn't right-handed D-men to go around. And if it's a spot that the Canucks just want to make the money more efficient for them on their roster, it's like, hey, we'll retain $3 million. That allows us to go spend $3 million up front. I think there's going to be a bigger market for Tyler Myers than people realize. I, I I agree. Once the money gets paid out, that's why he becomes an asset. Yes. Like you're getting a pickback. Maybe not a first, maybe not a second, but you're getting a tangible pickback and maybe something else. Like, you know, it's a valuable player for you all of a sudden. When but that signing bonus is up. the biggest hurdle right exactly. now. Exactly. Once that gets paid out, it, it changes things. Uh, somebody else texted in and says, why would you guys laugh at trading Besser or other wingers at a reasonable for a reasonable D-man? No, we laughed at the notion of, uh, or not laugh, but scoff at the notion of trying to trade guys on the fringes of your roster. Like, for instance, if you're talking about trading Pearson, if you're talking about Hoagland, or you're talking about Lazar, and not guys who are your high paid, highest paid players, you're not getting good D-men for them. And even for a guy like Brock Besser, you're probably not getting a good D-man for him. Now, could you get a Marcus Pedersen? Sure. Mm-hmm. You could do that. But is that a move you want to make for high overpaid defensemen who struggled a little bit? You can, you can always get a defenseman who's making money, 
but is he the right guy you want to acquire? And the reason the Canucks haven't traded a forward for a defenseman isn't because they're not open to it. It's because a defenseman they would value and covet to that degree has been offered to them. That's why we heard Ethan Bear's name. Yeah. That was kind of the, the headline or the marquee name to find as far as right-handed D-men. Yeah. And that's, look, still going deeper down the hierarchy of right-handed D-men across the league. So it's... It's going to require some patience it's from a lot patient. of people. Yeah, and Joe texts in and says, some bad losses, but we need to relax. It's been four games. The trade stuff, we're responding to a lot, a lot of people are saying, they're calling in, texting in, and stuff like that. And I made the point on Canuck Central today, and if you missed it, you can listen to it with myself and Dan Riccio. And we uh, we had Irf on, and we kind of talked through where the team is at and what could happen from this point on, because people are asking for trades and firings. And not to be boring, but it's too early. Like what this team has to do right now is play better hockey. And to the point you made before, too, even if you want to make trades, unless you play better, your players won't even be you know, desirable enough for you to make those types of trades. So as long as things are this bad, you have no options unless you want to fire the coach, which I think is a non-starter at this point. And I don't think this organization is going to pay over four, $4 million to have two guys not coach the team this season. I just don't buy that they're going to do that. you got to ride this out. They have to start playing better. They have to start getting wins. And you kind of have to just bear through it the next little while. 650-650, why won't you admit it's special teams again? We, we literally have every postgame show. It's special every teams, game show. We haven't mistakes. really mentioned it tonight, but we talked about some power play stats earlier. Yeah, It's quite literally special teams, effort, work rate, all those things. Oh, I mean, Hey, special teams, we've also been talking about blowing leads because this team has done something not, no team's done. In, I, I sound like a broken record. Yeah, so some people are complaining. It's like, you guys say the same things over again. They've lost blown they've blown leads. <laughs> They're four doing games in the a row. same thing over and over again. We apologize for sounding the same. But, but they're literally insane right now. Yes. Like so we're they're we're, doing the same thing over and, we're, and over again. And we're responding to that insanity. All right. Uh, a lot of fun though on the post game show. It continues on the other side. We'll try to get to more of your calls, more of your text messages, and we're gonna hear from Canucks players after a four three loss in Columbus against the Blue Jackets. For those listening on the Sportsnet Radio Network, thanks for listening. Can't wait to chat with you on Thursday when the Canucks are in Minnesota against the Wild. More coming up on the Home of Your Canucks, Sportsnet six fifty. The Canucks Central Post Game Show, bringing you the most Canucks coverage in BC, only on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. No call for the officials, and here's Gaudreau with speed with the main Vancouver line. Gaudreau, left circle, around Stillman, behind the net, wrap around, he scores! The Canucks Central postgame show rolls on. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Canucks lose 4-3 in overtime in Columbus against the Blue Jackets. But the show rolls on. 650-650 is our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. We'll try to get back to more of your responses. We are going to hear from Canucks players postgame after another crushing defeat by the Canucks. We'll hear from uh, Spencer Martin, uh, who played between the pipes. And uh, the, the head coach gave... I wouldn't say an, an uh, arousing endorsement and said he was adequate. I think that was the word he described as Spencer Martin's performance, but we'll, we'll play his audio yeah. and, and Tyler Myers coming up in a bit. Uh, but we are going to go back to the phone boards as we promised. And uh, let's go to Delta, where Jerry's been very patient to get on. Jerry, thanks for holding on, man. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Yeah, I just wanted to, you guys know this already, but uh, when you saw what Calgary did when they lost their two players, Grudeau and uh, Kachuk going uh, out of that out of town, and then they went and picked up Huberdeau and Uyghur. Uh And of course, you're talking about it, and you've got Miller, and you had uh, Brock Bessler. 
I mean, why couldn't they have done the same thing and gone and got a better defenseman? Because they said at the beginning of the or the end of the year last year that they should have got more defensemen because that was their problem last year and they didn't do anything about it. Now, I don't blame the new management because those guys were stuck because of what Benning did with Myers and uh, the fellow from Phoenix there. I mean, uh, they're just, I'm sorry, they're not good enough. Yeah, you mean so, OEL. Just hang on to the line. Um, Jerry, still there? Yeah. Okay. So the Bester thing is rooted in his qualifying offer, right? Like the, the reason it was difficult to move is you would have to give him a contract as well. So you're giving up assets and you have to negotiate the type of long-term extension that's worth giving up assets for. You had to for. do the same with McKachuk, but at least Kachuk was considered a far better, higher-value yeah. asset than a Besser or a Miller. So it's, it's not just that you're trading Kachuk at a high value. You're trading Besser at a very low value. So what type of D-man are you expecting in that return? Because I, I, I don't think you're that's getting a Uyghur. problem. Yeah. You know what, Jerry? Like I, I'm with you because, like— Ultimately, they have to find answers. Yeah, you know, and the biggest criticism we had of the previous front office was that they didn't find answers. So, I, so I understand the point that he's trying to make. And but here's the thing: that, like they haven't locked themselves into Brock Besser. It's no, three years, hundred percent. But in terms of, I think it makes sense. What you just went through completely makes sense. But ultimately, your job is to improve the defense and improve yeah. the team. And good management teams find answers. Hey, they haven't been on the job long enough for us to say they're a bad management team that can't find answers. But that's going to be their biggest. Their biggest. They punted a lot of decisions down the road. Yeah, which which means you got to play again. Yeah. A punt doesn't mean the game's over. Yeah, the punt means they're coming back at you. You got to get a stop, and then you can score. Yes. Right. So you're trying to get through the next little while. You get a stop, and then you'll try to get the get get the touchdown. Hopefully, but they're going to have to find answers. And to me, it's not necessarily about guys that can play now. Long term, like who are the guys that need to play in a few years? Tim in Vancouver, 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. It's too late to make trades. Nobody has cap space. You aren't going to get anything for players when your team sucks. Besser is 6.65 at zero value right now. Garland, four more years. You have to trade guys when they are good. Be proactive. Uh, I would argue it's too early to make trades right now uh, in the league. Uh, Wait till some teams look at their off-season plans and say, you know what, this didn't work. We do need to change something. So, again, December, January, February, this trend continues, and they're still kind of hovering, and this is clearly a rebuilding, selling year. Then you'll get more active across the league because you'll get just more willing buyers yeah. come December and January. Exactly. You have to, again, I don't want to keep saying the same thing, but for moves to happen, they have to weather this storm here before they can get to that point even. Uh, a lot of good texts coming in. We have time to get one more phone call in, though. Let's go to our good friend Torgi texting in. Torgi, always good hearing from you, man. Uh, what do you have for, for us tonight? Ah, uh, jeez. Hey, boys. Uh, I don't know. My biggest problem, I don't like the lines. I think mm. they just got to load up two lines. Mm-hmm. They got, I know it looks good on paper. JT Miller is a winger. He's, he's terrible. He's a liability um, he's better on the board. He's, he's got to be a winger, but they should load up the two lines, and you should have a good. They could have a good, good checking line. Like I don't know, Mikheyev, and I know they don't really have a third line center, um, but they got to figure it out. There's going to be no trades or nothing like that right now. We're, we're stuck with what we're stuck with. I know our D needs some help, but I think they should go with two top lines get a good third line and we could have a like Hoaglander oh my god he drives me crazy but he'd be a good fourth liner <laughs> yeah I, I hear what you're saying I mean uh, I'm at a point too and we talked about the lines it's like put your top six offensive players together and then whoever's left the three you put them together on that third line 
we, we we went over this before too. I just don't know how you don't play Miller down the middle and still have four centers going, mm-hmm. unless you really feel Lazar can play on the third line. And I haven't seen anything from Lazar to suggest that I would feel comfort confident with him being the third line center playing 14 minutes a night. It, or 15 it's it's much more of a break glass in case of an emergency yeah. scenario. And look, we saw Patterson play the wing last year. So what reason is there for Miller to not play the wing? I understand that. Um, it, it just feels like they have like certain rules that they can't break right now. Like Kuzmenko has to play with another Russian player. So Kuzmenko goes with Miller. That's a defensive liability line all of a sudden. Yeah. So you have to put Mikheyev there because you need a Russian player with Kuzmenko. It, it just like weird stuff like this that doesn't really – fit like I wanted to see Kuzmenko with Horvat and maybe Pearson and you say okay Horvat and Pearson like if you guys are going to be the defensively responsible guys then Kuzmenko can kind of create off of that and you could put them lower in your lineup and that's your third line I I, I want to see Miller with uh, Mikheyev put Colson and Pedersen together yeah. that's a line and it, when you just like have to follow these rules like we have to have either Mikheyev or put Colson with Kuzmenko it just it it makes you inflexible and Torgi you're trying to right. force you're trying yeah. to force something into the, it. The lines look forced right yeah. now. Well, Torgi texts in and says, "Should have kept uh, Dickinson for now. Gives you an option at, at the very least." And I mean, even he struggled at times on that spot. But hey, it certainly shouldn't have given up a second round pick. No, but it's you know, I'm with him though. Load up your top six, do that, and then try to piece it together the rest of the way. Try to create as much offense as you possibly can at this point. All right, uh, we mentioned we we're going to get some uh, Canucks player audio here. We are going to get back to the phone phone boards coming up in a, in a bit. So hold on to your lines. Uh, but let's go to Spencer Martin, who got the start tonight for the Canucks, and talked about how well they still need that W. We want to win. Uh, we're so close, and um, that's really every, that's all that matters right now is winning. So um, that was a really good effort from our guys, and I wish I could have converted it. Just watching the first three games and how things went, what was your focus coming in tonight? Just on terms of you getting your first guard start of the season is obviously never easy, but uh, you know the, the, the stage was pretty big for what you were facing. You know, what was your mentality coming into this one? Yeah, I like the I like that. A bigger stage, a bigger opportunity, but um, I felt pretty, really prepared, and um, yeah, I'm just still processing. But I, I wish that we got a better result right at the end there. What was, what were the guys saying? What was the move? Was the guys quiet? You guys had a meeting last night. But what was the, what was the move when you came in off tonight? Yeah, no, we've been. Uh, our leadership group has, hasn't been quiet at all. We've been, um, you know, just grinding to get this thing going the right way. And, uh, you know, going into the third there, I had a really good feeling that we were going to convert it. Um, yeah. Never easy to play three and four. Do you think the guys maybe got a little tired in the third there? No. I think, uh, I mean, I think we looked like we had legs and we were flying, um, doing a good job defending as well uh, in our own end, stops and starts. So, um, yeah. Just on the Gaudreau goal, did you lose the net a little bit? Looked like you were looking to push off maybe off the post. Yeah, lost yeah that's an error by me. I lose my footing and then um, try to make up for it, and he ends up just beating me to the far post. And that's what great players do, I guess, right? Yeah, but, I mean, I want to get that safe. Yeah. Uh, that's Spencer Martin, uh, Canucks goaltender. Got the start tonight, lost in overtime 4-3, and, you know, acknowledged he was a bit slow getting post to post. It was a great play by yeah. Johnny Gaudreau. And actually, look, he's... Obviously wants to make a better play on that. Yeah. I actually want to talk about something that happened earlier on that play. Johnny Goudreau, they win the puck, okay? And he starts skating out of the zone, and the Canucks are all back. So it's it's, it's pretty chill. He then turns around and says, oh, I'll take it to my own zone. And so I don't know if he did this 
with the idea of following up what he did next. But as soon as he turns around, Nils Hoaglander on that side of the board says, all right, cool, he's turning around, I can go change. And Gujo never checks to see if he actually leaves. He just turns up and starts going up the ice. I almost wonder if he did it as a fake to say, like, yeah, I'm pretending to go in my own zone, and now I'm going to accelerate well, up the other way. Guys, and it, it, it opened up all that ocean that he could skate into. Well, the smartest hockey players aren't just aware of what's going on on the ice. They're also aware of how long the opponent has been on the ice, right. what the rotation is like, where you are in your shift. The smartest players are the ones that are thinking about all those things. So if he kind of knows that, okay, these guys are late in the shift, let me fake, they're going to go off, and then I'll turn up ice. That very well could have been what he was thinking. Yeah, because it was three. Because but Colson's skating up the the far boards. Yeah, so he he's like, hey, I, I can jump off. Hoaglander and there's two D men. He back. has to go across. He's got to go all the way across, and he does. And Patterson kind of reads the play and says, I have to catch up now. Yeah, and Patterson's a little slow to it. Maybe should have followed him to the far post. But it was a pretty heady play by Johnny Goudreau. Again, he did. He doesn't shoulder check to see if Hoaglander goes, but I, I just wonder if he kind of knew that in the back of his head is like, if I fake this, I can turn around and go right up the ice. And yeah, it worked out really well. No, for him. It, it did work out well. I mean, it, w- it was an incredible move by him. But to Spencer Martin's point, and we're gonna have Kevin Woodley on Canuck Central tomorrow, and we'll get his thoughts on the goaltending, and he'll break Demko's game down through the first three games, and also how Spencer Martin played. The coach wasn't quite as uh, as forceful in his endorsement. Kind of said adequate. Pretty adequate. Pretty adequate, you know. Maybe one he wants back or whatever, but pretty adequate as the way the coach uh, described his play. Uh, a lot of texts are coming in, 650-650. Um, uh, sorry, Jeffro texted this in, and somebody else texted the same thought in. If you have the courage, essentially, bench one of your surreal stars, as in Horvat or Miller is what somebody's saying. I doubt Horvat after the game he had in JT, but when those guys make so much money, I just don't see it happening yet. Like Things have to keep... Again, I just don't see it happening. It's nice in theory, yes. okay? It's nice in theory. Then that means Nils Oman's going to play like 18 minutes a game. And you're up against, what, Minnesota? Carolina when they come in? Yeah. That's the reality. You still have to go out and win two, get two points. It's it's nice in theory, and it's just a thing like people just want the bloodlust of like someone's got to pay for this. Somebody pay, yeah. Bruce Boudreaux is is going to look at down the bench and say, "Who do I need right now? Boy, I wish I had a guy who put up ninety nine points." Yeah, man, I, I thought they could have needed Cal Burrows. Yeah, it, it's it's. Again, I can't believe I'm sitting here saying, like, uh, you know, Kyle Burrow deserved to fight tonight. He's fight. been really good. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He Not has... even just, like, good in sheltered minutes. But he's been legitimately legit good. Legit good. Scored a goal. Yeah, man. Has made some nice plays on the puck. Took, a lot of took poise. Took a slash to the face because Nestov got suspended for it. I mean, even that, that alone. I mean, my goodness. Have you no heart? Keep the man in the lineup. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to more of your text messages. We have time to get one more call in, and we're going to get to Tyler Myers and his postgame audio. No Ian McIntyre tonight uh, in late because he had to travel in, so he's not on the postgame show this evening. But we'll, we will keep the coverage going here, of course. So let's go uh, to the phone boards, and we have Paul on the line in Poco. Paul, thanks for calling in, buddy. Uh, what do you have for uh-huh. us? Hey, guys, uh, what a great time of the year. What else were we going to complain about if <laughs> hockey wasn't happening, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, listen, I, uh, I, you know, Canucks are doing about as well as I thought they would. The fact is is that uh, we're on a road, first of all. We've been on the road for four straight games. Um, we could have done better, no question about it, but the reality is is that we, we don't have the team to do that. Do you guys realize that out of the top 24 players that we have in the Canucks, only seven have been drafted? And out of those seven, they're only first and second rounders. And out of those first and second rounders, who has size? Our biggest guy is uh, is Horvat out of those draft picks. You know, we keep looking at other teams to save our bacon. The fact is, is that our drafting is just horrendous. 
in the last eight years, we've been drafting in the bottom half of every every season, you know, top ten draft picks uh, on a regular basis, and we can't draft anybody past the second round. And on top of that, if you look at the times that we were successful back in 2011, for example, we had guys like Kevin Bieksa who, who thought it was a miracle that we would sign him. Same as Alex Burroughs, if you remember. These ones were key essences of our teams, the guys that we took that had heart, that had size and grit and wanted to play. We gave them the opportunity. So what do we do? We go out to other teams and score off their guys, and they have no team loyalty. They weren't drafted by us. For them, it's just a, it's a paycheck. It's a job. So there's no motivation. We do have some good structure and some good players, but there's not enough grit on this team. And that's why we keep dying off at the end of the game is because we don't have the stamina. We don't have those, that, that muscle, that grit, that anger, that toughness. It doesn't mean about fighting. It just about, it means about hitting on the boards and taking guys out and making yourself hard to play against. Real simple. Hey, Paul, love the passion. Uh, thanks for the phone call. And, you know, he's not wrong about the lack of passion. And, hey, listen, uh, they do miss a lot of that stuff. Where I'm coming from is, they, hey, missing those sort of things doesn't mean you should be losing four games in a row where you're giving up a multi-goal lead, something that no team in NHL history has done. I don't care if, you're, if you don't have enough grit. Grit shouldn't be. There's been soft NHL teams in, in history that haven't done this before. You know what I mean? That have skill. Yeah, they can get tougher, but the problem right now to me isn't the toughness part. It's the more mental side of things. Now, once they get going, is there an ultimate question about do they have enough heart and grit in their roster? I think that's a fair question to ask. You know, we had a caller last night, very passionate, same things he was bringing up about, you know, where's the Stan Smeal from Era's past? Mm -hmm. Like, where's the Burroughs types? Like, where are these guys? Where are these players? And to be honest, they don't have enough of those guys. And not just, you know, bottom of the lineup guys. Like, Smeal was a captain, 30-goal scorer. We're talking about Kessler, Impact, BX, a top four defenseman. Those are the guys you need, guys who are tough but are playing core roles for you. It's the accumulation of a lot of things of for what you're talking or for what the caller was talking about. Um, where's the next wave of non-second, first and second round draft picks? Yeah. It's the accumulation of a lot of missed drafts from 2014. They only have Thatcher Demko to show, show for it. Gustav Forsling's thriving right now in Florida. Obviously, Jared McCann. 2015, they only have Brock Besser to show for it. 2016 was a complete whiff. It's the accumulation of all of it that these draft classes should be thriving for you right now. 2017, it's only Elias Pettersson, Jack Rathbone, not really featuring right now, yeah. which is a whole other thing that we haven't really got into right just yet. But that class isn't there. 2018, you know, Quinn Hughes is the only one featuring for you right now. And when you're constantly just plucking from just one player from the first round, that next wave of talent just never really materializes. And that those draft classes right now should yeah. be in this lineup. Yeah, no, 100%. And that's something they have to keep building through, you know. And they weren't able to add extra draft picks over the past few years. And had they, maybe they would be in a different position position as far as that depth and grit goes. Uh, uh, this one says, guys, relax. Look at the standings. Some top teams are 0-3. There's only one team that is 0-3, and that is the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Ottawa Center is 0-2 on the season. But the only good team that is un. Be, uh, that doesn't have a victory or any point on the season is the Minnesota Wild. Who but here's the thing. Playing. I mean, it, Look, like, I, I get it. The, the Tampa Bay Lightning have two points. Okay? I get it. The, the Wild have zero. 
are we putting them in the same class? Like, like those teams just went to the playoffs. Well, and and again, listen, you can be zero and four. You can have one point. What they have done is something no team in NHL history. Like, I don't, I don't know if this computes with people. <laughs> I don't know if this computes with people. They have blown a multi-goal lead in four straight games. The NHL, the NHL has been in business for over a hundred years. Just think about that for a second. That doesn't mean they can't be better. That doesn't mean they can't push for the playoffs. And, you know, Dan and Campbell River and Campbell was texting in and going back and forth with me. He's like, "You really think they're going to get eighty points? Like, you know, I remember you said that, and let's make them better, whatever." And I don't want to take that bet because they're going to get eighty points. I'm like I'm taking your money if I'm if I'm making that bet with you. You know what I mean? Because like they're they're gonna end up being on over eighty point team. Does it mean they're gonna make the playoffs or not? Who knows? Like and and others people's struggles doesn't justify your own. No, it doesn't. It doesn't justify your struggles. But my point being is like what they've done these four games is historically bad. And when things are going historically bad for your team to start the season, that's an indictment on your process and how you got there. You know. Again, I'm relaxed. I'm am like I'm, I'm I'm relaxed. I'm coming into work tomorrow. I'm chilling. I'm gonna I'm go home. I'm fine. I don't know why it's coming out all high and whiny, but I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, fine. I'm, I'm gonna go home uh, later on and watch the Lakers game. Like I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. But what they're doing isn't something you can just can gloss over and say, "Hey, everything is fine. Roses. Other teams get off to bad starts. It's okay. It'll be fine." And to your point, what have they done to earn the trust of saying? Hey, this is a team that gets off to bad starts, but at least we know they make the playoffs every year. Can't say that. Uh, Cohen in Alice Arm texting in 650-650. Have to disagree with this caller. Uh, we have a good team. They seem to be lacking swagger or confidence. We're scoring goals. We just aren't defending leads. That's the problem. It's not an issue with the entire team. The other point of view as well, coming in 650-650. But again, lacking swagger. Okay, so how do you earn that? Get W's. Win games. So how do you get W's? Playing Cl- better. Don't make mistakes. Close out leads. Don't make mistakes, <laughs> right? It's it, it, Again, it's a nice thing to say, and then just think it through. It's like, so what? The, the conditions have to be perfect for you all the time for it to win? It's the yeah. same thing we talked about yesterday. Yeah, confidence plays a big role. Y- you can engineer your own confidence by winning games yes. and playing well. You need to win games. What happens is they almost get too, too, too hyped in their own... Get too high of their own supply. Yeah, I was trying not to say that, but yeah. And and it's like, oh, now we can play reckless. It's like, no, you still have to finish the job. Yeah. 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 There we go. Uh, this one. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm completely with you. But I've, I've been saying the same thing so many times. All right, I'm going to get to the Myers audio. Okay. But go, no, no, get that text. Say, is there any reason why the Canucks didn't challenge the goal when the puck ended up out of play before it went to the You net? can't challenge that play. So it... it it did exit the zone, so I just wonder if they're like, "Hey, we we cleared it." I think once the once the play exits, but you can't challenge that. Was play. it a replay? I didn't see it actually hit the net. I didn't see the replay either, but you can't challenge that. Play. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not up for challenge, unfortunately. There you go. All right, so that's that's where it's at. All right, uh, as far as Tyler Myers, who flew all the way to Columbus to play in this game, uh, Canucks got a point, but it didn't end up he the way they wanted. <laughs> you make it seem like it was optional. It's his job. <laughs> well, he did. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm setting the stage for his audio. The man flew in to save the team and help them out, and he did his best. What do you want me to say? I'm giving him credit. All right, uh, here is Tyler Myers after a tough 4-3 loss in overtime in Columbus, and talks about. Well, they may have done some good things, but still not good enough. We did a lot of good things, you know, we, to come out to start the game, we, you could tell we were committed to doing the little things to, to win a hockey game, you know, they made a, they made a push, which I thought we handled pretty well for the most part, and then 
you know, obviously we don't want to be giving up leads, you know, like we have. So have to be better. You know, when you start the season like this, you have to really take a look in the mirror, every single one of us. Take a look at the video, really, you know, be critical of things you could have done better. And, you know, just keep pushing forward. I mean, the tighter we grip our sticks in a tough in a tough start here, you know, it's not going to do anyone any good, any good. From afar, was there something that you noticed? Was there a through line to the first three games? Was something that wasn't quite clicking, you think? Um, I just think, I think we have to get better at playing the right way on a more consistent basis throughout a game. Um, you know, watching the first three and then tonight, we do a lot of good for a good chunk of the games. And then, you know, we have mental lapses here and there that are costing us. And we got to take a look at them, and we have to get better from them quicker. What does uh, playing the right way mean to you or the team? Just defending first, doing the right things in the defensive end. You know, we have so many guys on the team that can put up offense for us. We have really dynamic players. You know, the, our goals for are not the issue. Um, we got to do the little things in terms of sprinting back into position defensively, making sure we're in the right position to limit those grade-A chances that they're getting. And we gotta, we got to flip a switch with it because it's obviously not working. You personally, I mean, never easy to play the first game. Uh, I leaned on a lot tonight. How did you, you, your lungs feel tonight? I feel good. Um, I mean, I was able to push it here this last week uh, in rehab pretty hard. So I feel like I'm in good shape. Came into the night for my first game. Expected to have a little rust, but felt pretty good. What was the conversation as you guys came off the ice after this one? Uh, not a lot was said tonight. Um, we'll t we'll talk about it for sure. But uh, you know, it's we got to really dissect what uh, you know the little issues are that are that are costing us, and we just have to get better at them. That is Canucks defenseman Tyler Myers after the loss, and you know, like talks about they've done some good things and all that sort of stuff, but clearly they are still in the same position they found themselves in before, looking for their first win of the season, and they have one more game to go on this five-game road trip, and that is in Minnesota against the Wild. And I suppose the silver lining is the Minnesota Wild have struggled every bit as much as the Vancouver Canucks have. They have no points so far on the season. And Silver lining. Uh, Tyler Myers played 22 minutes. He did. And uh, wasn't game. on the ice for a goal against. So Not his go. fault. Not his fault. Can't blame him. Got, got even got an assist tonight. Wasn't so. on the ice for a goal. Yeah, oh, actually, was. no, he, he was. was. Yeah. He got an assist yeah, on sorry. the uh, shorthanded goal. Did he wind up? Uh, Maybe he went, got off the ice by you the time You know what? I scored? think he may have gotten off the ice because they. Uh, I think they changed it to Oliver ekman Larson. Yeah. Did they? Yeah. Oh, poor Unlucky. Tyler Myers. There you go. Unlucky. Unlucky. All right, uh, this one. Take a look in the mirror talk. This early in the season? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, for people saying, like, you guys are overreacting, the, the team has... They held a, a players-only meeting. After, so Are they overreacting? So after three games, they held a, held a players-only meeting, and, and Boudreaux was asked, is that a good sign? That He's like, uh, not really. The fact that we're holding a players-only meeting after three games is not a good sign. They're very aware of the severity of the start. Yes. And they benched Connor Garland and Kyle Burroughs. They had a bag skate already. Players are talking about look in the mirror. They're talking about having to grow up. They're talking about accountability. If you want to put it on us, put it on us. Sure, if it makes you feel better, put it on me. <laughs>
The reason they are losing <laughs> at Biknizar, <laughs> go ahead, put it on me. Yeah. I would love to have that kind of power. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, Mike and Tawasa, Myers flew into Columbus, and boy, are his arms tired. <laughs> Joke for 60, man. Yeah. We're here for him. That's good. Uh, Lord, Lord, our Lord and Savior, Tyler Myers. Yeah. Listen, somebody's got to be a savior. Someone's going to come and save, save the team. You know, and sometimes it's the unlikely hero that steps up. All right. Is that is that it? Is that a wrap? I guess so. Listen, I, I could do this another segment. Are we not against the clock here? We are. No, it's just a wrap. Like, oh, we, okay. we got to wrap up. I'm saying, you know. But it's been fun. I mean, no, no IMAC tonight. We had a little bit extra time, and we had a lot of your takes, and we appreciate it. And I'm excited for Thursday's game. Is there any hope to garner out of the fact that we have gained a lead in every game? Yeah, we talked <laughs> about that last, last night. Th- there is. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> But it goes to the bigger issue. It's like, what is the problem? Yes. Like, what do you think is the problem? Is it just, oh, they don't play good defensive hockey? Or is it, boy, they really don't compete well and they don't have discipline? Yeah. If if the problem is the latter, that's a big problem to solve. That's a difficult problem to solve. If it's just, hey, this is fluke and run of luck, to me, it bleeds into a lot of other things we've talked about. No, I know. And there are things that are correctable and fixable. You got to start getting on it. You know, and we'll see if they can start doing that against the Minnesota Wild to get their first win of the season on Thursday before they come home against the Sabres on Saturday night. Hockey Night in Canada will be here covering it on Sportsnet 650 as always. He's Big Nazar. You can listen to him on the People Show tomorrow. Three, three o'clock, Yannick Hansen off the top of the show. Love it. Yannick, can't wait to hear his thoughts. He never pulls punches. We'll see what he has to say. Man, he called out Quinn Hughes after yeah. taking a high stick. He talked about after the first couple of first game that blew that three-goal lead about they've done this in the past. This is who they are. So I'm very curious to hear uh, what Yannick Hansen has to say. I'm Satyar Shaw back at it with Dan Richiel tomorrow, 4-6 to six on Canuck Central. We'll have Kevin Woodley on the show, plus overrated, underrated. And Josh Elliott Wolf producing the show here tonight. We'll be producing our show again tomorrow as well. Thanks for everything you've done, and thanks for everybody listening and participating on the Canuck Central Post Game Show. Can't wait to be back at it again right here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.